This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bula Vinaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my media bestie and the second smartest man I know, Dean Hallitau. Fakalofla here too, everyone, and welcome to the show. It's great to be here. We've got plenty to get through. We'll chat to Zane Bojack, who is a host of a brand new show in Zane Rugby League. We get complacent and you can ask that. Plus, we talk about the fine line between banter and bullying in Play On or On Report. Now, Sarah, what do you got for us this week? Oh, you're not ready for this one. This is a good story Ooh. for you this week. You ready? She's got her Instagram back, everybody. Woo! Everyone, chill out, chill out, chill out. We can just, uh, you know, cue the applaud, but Everything I now feels normal. have my Instagram back. I waited eight long days for that thing to be reinstated, but I have to tell you the process, Holla, because it was quite a rigorous one. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Nelly. Thank you, thank you. I'm back on the Instagram. It's been a minute, fam. It's been a minute. But basically, once my Instagram was uh, temporarily disabled, I appealed it the normal way, and then it was just a waiting game. And I kid you not, I have read every forum on pages one and two of Google <laughs> of how to get your Insta back. And then I contacted, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last week, I contacted different um, heads of marketing at like the likes of ASICs, et cetera, because I'm like, they've got to have a clutch contact. Anywho, Rugby Australia. They came through for me. They're like, oh, we can put it through to our meta consultant who can look into this for you. And I was like, oh, okay, that's promising. Like I was, I was hopeful. And then earlier this week, then I get a message being like, oh, this has been escalated to the head of um, sports marketing or something at like APAC. I don't even know what that even stands for. And then kid you not, less than 24 hours later, I got a, a message from Instagram telling me to change my password. I was like, oh my God, I'm on here. I'm so on here. And all feels right again. I didn't, we didn't get a reason for why it was disabled in the first place. What, what, what happened? So I believe what has happened is some loser, yes, I'm going to call him loser. Yeah. Some loser was trying to get into my account and they were trying to change my password. And so right. probably recognized it from a different IP address or whatever and then blocked me out as a result uh, of that. A, so it was a safety shutdown. It was a safety shutdown. I right. use the internet safely yeah. and I'm very courteous <laughs> when I'm on there. I don't do rubbish things. So I'm very happy, honestly. Well, well done. Congratulations. Thank I'm you. Happy so, for you. Thank you. Shout out to my 15.4K followers. I'm, I'm back, baby. I'm back. Oh, actually, that's a lie. 14, 14 point something. Anyway, no one cares. What about you, Hala? What are you doing? Well, it was Easter last weekend. I hope everyone yes. had, a, had a great Easter. I had a good Easter at home. I didn't actually go to any football games, which was awesome. I just spent time with my family and uh, woke up early on Sunday morning and they just like, ransacked the house for chocolate. And that's been like the last three days is trying to get rid of that somehow. <laughs> And I'm, yeah, the kids have been on sugar highs every day, which has been a bit of a challenge, especially because school holidays are on. So they mm. just want to burn it. But that's about it. Easter, it was fun. Just a real wholesome weekend with a fan. Wholesome weekend. Did you hit the Easter always. show? No. Oh, we went to the, there's one in Cronulla in, in the mall. It's the Easter show that we tell the kids is the main Easter show. That is not the main Kids, if you're listening to this, your dad <laughs> is lying to you. Your dad is lying to you. That was fun. We went nah, there on Saturday. Good. I actually went for a walk. It took us about half an hour to get from one end to the other. So very different to what happens at Homebush, but um, the kids enjoyed it nonetheless. Well, on to our top story this week. A seven-year-old Miller Dwyer will represent Samoa at a Jiu-Jitsu World Championship in Las Vegas in August this year. This is huge. Seven years old and going off to a world championship. Yeah, obviously um, she, she knows her stuff, Jiu-Jitsu, pretty, um, pretty physical and uh, it's a great combat sport. So Miller had originally signed up to, to do tap dance classes when she was younger, but Two Doors Up was a combat center and she decided to take on that instead, uh, which is what she does now, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's rough. Seven years old, she's already got 50, 
50 fights under her belt in the lead up to this. So this is pretty huge. So we love stories like this because it's so unusual to our Pacific community. But to see a young lass giving a red hot crack on the world stage, I reckon we just got to stay with her because she even has hopes, even at this young age, to one day be a professional MMA fighter. Yeah, and if going by the picture on the Samara Observer's website, uh, she's going to have some success because she's draped in uh, medals from all the things she's won. So well done, Miller. Yes. Looking at sport from the weekend, the World Deaf Rugby Sevens World Cup took place. This was the third edition of the tournament and Wales, both men and women, did take out this competition. It was a huge result, particularly for the women as they saw England off 32-0. to zero. But what is worth noting is that Fiji also competed in this tournament. They were pulled with Wales, Japan and Barbarians and came fifth overall. Yeah, it's great to see this tournament ongoing and Wales seem to be the dominant side on the international scene. They won it all the way back in the men's side uh, when it first came into play in 2002 and they've continued their their winning form. But well done to Fiji for taking part in the tournament as well. Yes, it certainly is. Now over to the Rugby Sevens. The men's circuit headed over to Singapore where New Zealand took out the top spot, defeating Argentina. The best thing about this was that someone in Fiji had the opportunity to play off for the bronze finish where Fiji came out on top 24 to 19. Now, the most important thing for Fiji is they have to finish the next two stops really strongly in order to secure their place or the second best um, qualifier for the 2024 Olympics. So it's been a very inconsistent season for the men, but we're going to take our podium finishes when we get them. Yeah, well, they've, they've started to come good over the last couple of um, series stops and yeah, qualifying for the Olympics is the ultimate goal, isn't it? And they're on track to do that at the moment, you would say. Yes, they're, they're third. They're currently third in standing. So it's, it's, it's a decent shot for us. Now over to Super W, this was the match that had everybody talking. It was the New South Wales Waratahs v Fijiana Drill, where the Waratahs have finally reclaimed their spot at the top with a 31-5 to finish. It was a thrilling afternoon last week at Concord. However, the Waratahs have shown to be too strong. A lot of people didn't think that the Tars could do it, um, but the draw have faced some significant changes. But... Uh, one player that really stood out was Catalina Amosa. She was a reserve hooker that crossed the line um, late in the second half, which ultimately secured the dub for the Waratahs. So for Drua, this is um, tough. Lavinia was, uh, sorry, Lavinia tonight was their only uh, try scorer, um, but unfortunately just not enough. We spoke about last week about the Tars uh, statistically being more dominant than the Drua and that they've turned up and, and done a job on 31-5 to five against last year's premiership winners is a pretty impressive scoreline for the Tars. It gives us a lot of confidence. I guess. Yeah, heaps of confidence in the change rooms, my brother. <laughs> what about with the Super Rugby Pacific? Oh, this match had everybody talking. It was the Moana v Crusaders. The Crusaders rallied from a 21 to 17 down at half time to beat Moana. Moana Pacifica, 38-21. to 21. Winger Tomothi, Tavatavanawai, and centre Levi Amur had superb games. And I just want to make mention of Amur. Sorry, he's the best player in the league right now. He's leading in both tackles and metres made. And I just think it's incredible because that coupled with Rich Mwanga's 100th Crusaders game made a hell of a game. Yeah, the Crusaders are just such a dominant. They're, they're probably one of the best sporting teams around the Undoubtedly. world. Undoubtedly. They've had so much success over the last 10 to 15 years and they just continue to to dish up good results and, and achieve and uh, 38 to 21 good result for them and unfortunate for Moana Pacifica they, they proving that they can be a thorn in some team sides but mm. um, not the class of the Crusaders on this occasion 
Now over to NRL. We are now in round six, or just finished round six, I should say. Yeah, there was another um, Queensland derby on the weekend. This has become more frequent, obviously, with the addition of the Dolphins to the competition this year. They took on the Cowboys at the Cowboys' home up in North Queensland. The Dolphins managed to get the win 32-22. to This was a real back-and-forth match. Both teams um, obviously scoring points well, but the Dolphins, their attack that they're playing at the moment, especially with um, some, some inexperience in their halves, uh, Isaiah Katoa, who um, at 19 years of age, he's proving to be um, experienced beyond his years. He's guiding them around the park brilliantly. Um, but also at the back, Hamaso Tabiwafado, who's come down from uh, North Queensland of the Dolphins. Uh, he managed to give one back to them uh, at his old stomping ground. A metre out. Last play, Dolphins. Marshall King to the right. Hammer time! Hammer time ices it! Tabuafido scores for the Dolphins! The ultimate agony for Cowboys fans in Townsville as a man that used to be one of their own seals it for the enemy on Good Friday. A double for Hammer. Managed to give back two, I should say, because he scored a double, the Hammer. Um, Jermaine Asako scored three tries as well, so the, the Dolphins fins up, as they're saying. Far out there on a hot trot at the minute. On they roll. Now... Down in Brisbane, uh, also across the weekend, the Broncos took on the Raiders. The Broncos, uh, top of the table, undefeated to that point of the season, actually went down 20 points to 14. The Raiders, who have had a really indifferent year, they've had some good performances and then some uh, mediocre performances. They really turned it up. Defensively, they were were really strong, but um, I think... Maybe the Broncos uh, took them a little bit lightly. Uh, it was a, a really good performance. And in particular, the Raiders' Jordan Rapinoe is one of the most experienced players. He got a double, and this was his first one. Canberra to play the football, 11 out in centre field. Wilford to the right through Fogarty, second man. Horsburgh, overlap on the right. Chris Gibson through the hands. And from Timokor onto Rapana. And Rapana into the corner for the first try of the night. And it's a Raiders try at the Cauldron. He's going all right, Jordan Rappiner. He's, he's, like I said, one of the most experienced players. He's been around for a long time, and he just continues to compete. Uh, Matt Timical, who was mentioned in that try, he's also having a great season. He's probably one of the, the hardest-running centres in the game at the moment. He's making the most metres. And uh, the Raiders, they they probably yeah, definitely got a, a surprise victory there, but um, one that they can probably build their season on as well. Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? We have a very special guest joining us for Talanoa Time. You might be familiar with his voice across the airwaves on ABC. He commentates on plenty of rugby and rugby league matches. His name's Zane Bojack, and he's also the host of a brand new show called In Zane Rugby League. Zane, thanks for joining us. Ian, absolute pleasure to be with you, Sarah. I've listened to your show a little bit over the journey, so it's nice to actually be on. It's such a real privilege. Mate, it's great to have you on here, and uh, we, we look forward to hearing all about what's going on in your world, particularly with the new, sh- new show, I should say, Inzane Rugby League. Can you give our listeners a bit of insight as to what we're going to hear? Oh, look, um, it was an interesting way we sort of came up with the concept. Uh, contact director here at the ABC, Tim Verrill, said, go and do your best to us. I just sort of brainwaved a little bit. And one of the things we love chatting about is who was the best player, Dean? You know, Sarah, we go down the pub and we're like, oh, who was a better 5'8"? You know, who was a better centre? And it's really going off. Um, but we, Every episode we talk about a particular position. I've got 25 spots in my so-called the greatest um, Inzane Rugby League team. And uh, it's been fantastic to just sort of compare players from different eras. And this last week... We had probably the um, the mummy of them all. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, to have uh, 
Wally Lewis and Brett Kenny going up against Laurie Daly and, and Brad Fittler and uh, trying to also include Benji Marshall and Bob Fulton and Darren Lockyer. Uh, it was a, a real doozy of a battle. <laughs> In the end, Wally Lewis won out, but um, definitely uh, it, it's, it's, it's been a real focal point of the program, that discussion between uh, the guests that come on the show. And I've been lucky enough to um, you know have some of our Greenstein team on there. I've had some of the News Limited journalists. So I've basically been trying to go out throughout the entire Australian rugby league media. Um, and it's been great fun. The other thing is we have a chat about the issues. Obviously, this week was about the hip drop. Um, also, uh, uh, trying to, to work out uh, whether accidents are allowed to be in the game of rugby league anymore. It doesn't look like it is. It looks like it's always going to be an automatic penalty. And then, of course, Ricky Stewart talked about the fact the players are going to stay down and milk it and all that sort of stuff. So so we've always got plenty to talk about. As, as you two know, in, um, in the rugby codes, there's always plenty to go and talk about. So we have lots of fun. And the other thing is I love catching up with players and just trying to test their personalities. And um, last week we had Zach Lomax. We've had Ben Hunt on. We've... We've had uh, um, James Tama, who was amazing, talking about that 2015 grand final. So it's been lots of fun so far. I'm actually trying to track down Tamika Upton this week, if we can, just sign a five-year deal with the Newcastle Knights and the, and the NRLW. Um, that's incredible. I think that shows where the women's game's got to. But, yeah, I, I really have fun. I hope everyone has fun listening. Well, on that note, your show's called In Zane, which I think is very, very clever. But that's how you know you've made it when a show actually incorporates your name into it. Take us into the journey of you naming your show. Well, this is a funny thing. So this name is a result of um, a bit of a brainstorm between uh, Nick Morris, our, uh, our ABC Sport manager, and Tim Verrill. And they were determined that they'd have my name in the program. Now, I was keen to have all sorts of different names. I was quite keen on Bojack's Big League, actually, because remember the old Big League magazine? Yes, that is a throwback right there. Yes, but uh, um, fortunately we couldn't get the trademark rights to that because when you have a show, you've got to make sure you've got the trademark rights. So we couldn't do that, couldn't have the intellectual property. So um, I went back to them and I said, you know what, that name you said, uh, I think it might work. And they were very happy because, you know, they were chuffed at, um, that I would consider their, their, their <laughs> idea. But, you know what, I think it works. I mean, every time they play the um, the, the theme or the, the sting, I sort of, so, there's something about it. It sort of gives you ownership. You feel like, you know, um, it, you know this, is, this is the reason why I've got to put my personality on the airwaves because it's got my name in it. So that's what my boss is always telling me all the time. Tim Beryl's always like, make sure people get the real Zane Bojack experience. So I don't know. Whether people like that or not, it's another thing, but uh, I'm enjoying it anyway. Oh, well, that's the main thing. And I think it's a good strategy. Like Sarah said, uh, you've made it when your name's yes. in your own, own your own title of your own show. Zaino, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, obviously, you got the show and we've talked about how that came to fruition, but what about yourself, mate? Tell us uh, where you come from, what what you grew up with in terms of sport and, and the like. Well, I grew up in a little town called Home Hill. Um, it's only got about 2,000 people, if that. Uh, in a place called the Burdekin. You might know the golfer, Kari Webb. She comes from the same area. She's from a little town called Air. We've got sister towns on either side of the Burdekin River. Um, and it's about 100 k south of towns or so. You can obviously understand I've got an affinity with the North Queensland Cowboys. I was actually in the Western Grandstand the very first game they played when they ran out to take on the Bulldogs and thought, wowee, how amazing this is. 
had no idea of the amount of work that you know, the likes of um, Grant Bell, who of course commentates with us on ABC Sport, and uh, Laurie da- uh, Laurie Daly, Laurie Spina, and Martin Bella, and all these guys in that inaugural squad. They were paving, they were literally paving um, uh, the walkways into the ground. They were putting turf on the surface, literally, um, like on the hills, and that literally the morning of the match. Could you imagine that? It's just incomprehensible. Wow. So when we got there, we we're like, wow, this is amazing, and didn't realize the amount of work that went into it. Um, since then, obviously, uh, have always loved rugby league. As a youngster, I was a massive Canberra Raiders fan. I played three seasons of rugby league. I tell everyone this, um, but I was a bit lazy, so I played um, 13 seasons of, of rugby. So I had 16 years in total played footy, which great sport. Um, but uh, yeah, pr- I think prop forward as a, in rugby was a little bit uh, better to my um, shape than uh, than rugby league because uh, I know one thing: getting up and back the ten was was not my forte. <laughs> I much rather running on the wing and getting called out by my coaches for um for for uh, for um seagulling and that sort of stuff. So all of a sudden the ball would come out wide. It's like, how has he got the ball in his hands? And I was going, that's the way I play. So, <laughs> No, uh, no, I was very lucky. I played for the Medical Cane Toads, um, a, a team called the Home Hill Devils. They don't exist anymore in rugby league. So, um, yeah, um, between those two growing up, uh, rugby and rugby league, and then, of course, um, played for university uh, in first grade uh, up in Townsville for rugby union. And, um, yeah, I, I love the rugby codes. And, uh, yeah, to be honest with you, rugby league is my absolute favourite sport but I just perhaps wasn't as as skilled as what I needed to be, um, particularly uh, defensively. I got caught out a little bit laterally. Um, Dean will know about this. You know, you, you've got these big blokes stepping you, and, you know, I, I found rugby union a little bit easier with the extra man on the field. Well, I'll tell you one thing. As a rugby union player myself, I think it's much suited to me or much better suited to me just because I can't get back 10 every time. I did play one rugby league yes. game where my big brother Wes came and watched me, and I came off the pitch and he goes to me, Sis, Honestly, you were offside that whole game. <laughs> uh, look, this is the great thing about about um, football. You know, like honestly, you can be any shape. Yeah. And uh, I, to me, I just think it's so wonderful that you can have like the, the smallest little halfback going up against the the biggest bopper you've ever seen, and, and that's what's brilliant about um, the sport of rugby league is, and the sports of rugby union as well. They, they encompass everyone and. Uh, there's always an opportunity. I mean, I used to play with guys who were like 40, 50 years of age and they trot out, you know, with the tape around their heads and they'd have the liniment on. And I think to myself, when are you guys going to give up? What are you doing still getting out there? You know, get into the scrums and they'd be like trying to do little short jabs and stuff and all the tricks of the trade, you know, from years playing, playing the sport they love. And then when I turned about 35, I was like, Oh, I can't play anymore. And I understood what they were, what they were talking about. You know, you, you just, you love the sport. You wish you could play it forever. But um, uh, a few hip issues cost cost me. I couldn't play anymore. But um, yeah, absolutely awesome. And now I get the chance to talk about it, which is even better. Well, we are chatting with Zane Bojack. He's an ABC commentator and the host of a brand new show in Zane Rugby League. Zane, I just want to talk about your commentary. You've spoken about how you were involved with rugby league and rugby union for, you know, well over a decade. How did you find yourself in the world of commentary where you're now taking up some serious space? Yeah, look, uh, I was a bit lucky, actually. So I grew up listening to the ABC, always wanted to to be a commentator for the ABC. But as you guys know, um, jobs like that are like hen's teeth. So um, the thought that actually would happen um, really uh, surprised me. Uh, I did a journalism degree when I was at university and um, because I was always interested in sport, like I, 
you guys would have been the same. I played like six or seven sports when I was a kid, particularly as a teenager. My mum was running me around everywhere. I played tennis and played golf, um, used to do swimming. Anyway, um, because of that background, uh, AAP needed someone to to do some reporting for them in, in towns when I was working for Channel 10 at the time. Now, funnily enough, the person who used to work for AAP in Townsville was a guy named Dave Donaghy. Now, you might know who he is. He's now the CEO of the Brisbane Broncos. And Dave knew that, you know, I used to float around for Channel 10, going to the same press as he did, knew that I was, you know, real various in sport. He rang me up and he said, oh, mate, he said, look, um, these Townsville Crocodile basketball games and Cowboys games, he goes, do you think you might be able to cover off for AAP for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I was working for Channel 10 and got my start with AAP, thanks to Dave. Good on you, mate. And then, <laughs> would you believe it, a job came up in the ABC as a rural reporter. So I, all, of, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, my opportunities come in the ABC. And so I went out to a place called Longreach, which is even smaller than the town that I come from, out in the middle of nowhere in Queensland. Um, great tourist centre if you want to go out there. It's got the Qantas Museum and also the uh, Stockman's Hall of Fame. So it's got some great things to go and see. But, um, you know, there's... To be honest with you, it's it's not exactly um, what, what you would call metropolitan. It's very remote. So I'm working there and um, I'm doing all sorts of things. Like I, I know um, Robin McConkie used to be my uh, ABC um, rural manager. She said, I can't believe how many sports stories you keep getting into the rural bulletin. So if um, there was a grand final, a big game of footy, I'd be down at the, the cattle sale yards talking to, the, to the, um, some of the, the producers about it. Or, you know, if Wimbledon was coming up, I'd be um, going to one of the rural properties that had a tennis court and just, you know, these sorts of things. And so eventually when um, Grandstand or ABC Sport came up with a job, they knew that I'd be working on the Cowboys. They knew that I'd be working on the Crocs. They said, oh, do you want to apply for it? I had a crack and here you go. Here I am. So I started in Townsville, came down to Brisbane, joined Clinton Hull and Alistair Nicholson as it was at the time. Now it's just Q and myself. And, yeah, I've got the best best job in uh, you could ever imagine, particularly now the Dolphins are in. We've got more <laughs> football that we can probably cope with Q and I, but we're loving it anyway. Yeah, there's a Queensland derby on almost every week at the moment, which is uh, yes. which is awesome. Now, Zaino, before we let you go, just one last question from me. Do, do you have any advice for any aspiring young radio hosts or commentators on, on you know the right thing to do or what to do to try and get to where they want to be? Do you know, I'm probably passing on advice that's been given to me, but firstly, the best piece of advice is ask people. Uh, ask others in the industry that more successful than you. Um, you know, I heard Johnny Gibbs say the other day that he tells all aspiring commentators to, you know, write all their notes out. You probably won't use them in the game, but you just never know. They're in the back of your head. And that's the thing. I find myself um, over-preparing and probably under-delivering. Um, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, the, the more you can over-prepare, the better you are because you just never know when that stat or when um, that little piece of information might crop up and you'll be able to mention it. And um, the other thing is I think uh, be willing to ask coaches, be willing to ask players information because um, particularly if you're like me and I never played in the NRL, um, I need to understand what they're thinking because I can't think like them. Like when I commentate with you, Dean, you've been there, you know, you know, in this pressure situation, you know, it's all about us trying to kick down to the corner, all this sort of stuff. Whereas I've only played uh, club competition football up in North Queensland. So I, the level that I have, I don't have. So if you can try and get that information from people, then you can obviously pass it on. The other thing is keep it simple. Because I'm not an expert, I just try and keep the game as simple as it is and try and be the punter. Like the other night with the Martin uh, Talpole tackle, I said, where was he supposed to go? Where, where, he, he had his hands close to his knees. You see, he can't say he was trying to lead with his knees. 
he was just a, uh, had a player, Jordan Rapinoe, on the ground who was very low. So to me, um, I just try and bring the punter's experience to it um, because I'm not an expert like you two that have played at the elite level. So, um, yeah, from that perspective, I think if you keep it simple and over-prepare, um, you never know where you might end up. I think that's really fitting advice, no matter where you are on your journey um, as an aspiring or, I guess, current commentator. It has been so wonderful for us to catch up with you today. Um, Before you leave, we love to run a segment with our guest called Tip On. It's basically 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. Would you be down to play? Oh, I love quizzes on the radio. (laughs) Let's go. And it's just about you. You're just talking about your own experience. So this is going to be rad. All right. The clock is on. What have you been binging? Uh, Yellowstone. Oh, good show. What is your coffee order? Uh, flat white. What is your pet peeve? Uh, pet peeve. People that put tennis balls on tow bars. What, what's <laughs> up with that? Seriously. I don't understand what that's for. Love it. Who is your sporting hero? Uh, Mel Meninga. Do you fold or do you scrunch? <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely Scruncher. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, definitely have to be The Undertakers. How good was that? Mm-hmm. What was it, like 25 and 0 or something? Unbelievable. <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Uh, favourite movie, Star Wars. Something you could eat for a month straight? Oh, rice. Favourite place you've travelled to? Fiji. Love it. Most used app on your phone? Uh, super coach. <laughs> Do you have a hidden talent? Uh, I don't like telling many people this, but I sing. Yep. Love Ooh. it. Some really good answers in there. Yellowstone. I am a big, big oh. fan. I'm like a concrete cowgirl after watching that. I just want to be a cowgirl. I want to find me a Dutton. I need to go to a ranch. I love it. Zaino, thanks very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? It's been great to learn about yourself, but also um, for all our listeners, get on board and, and listen to Inzane Rugby League. No doubt it's going to go gangbusters. Thanks again, mate. We look forward to hearing you on the airwaves. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Love the opportunity. That was Zane Bojack, ABC commentator and host of the brand new show, In Zane Rugby League, which you can catch on Radio Australia on Tuesday evenings. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Sarah, it's time for our favourite segment, uh, an opportunity for our listeners to ask a question of a current or a former athlete about what it's like to be in the world of sport. This week's question, uh, and you kind of alluded to it in the, um, the review of last week's matches, were the Broncos too cocky going into the game against the Raiders? And that comes from Richard on Twitter, obviously... Twitter was where you were accessing all your uh, your DMs last week. Um, but it's a good question because the Broncos, uh, it was a surprise loss or a surprise win for the Raiders. Um, but the question has been asked, were they complacent? Were they complacent? I guess it's worth prefacing that sometimes you can head into matches and if you know that you're on a pretty prominent position on the ladder and you're going up against a lesser side that, yeah, sometimes complacency can creep in like, yeah, we can just get this job done. So perhaps that could have been something that existed in their game. For them to have such a strong trot throughout the season and then go down to the Raiders, you have to question what went wrong. And I think that perhaps some complacency did come into the 
sorry, come into play. And, and I know that firsthand because as a player, there are certainly times that you go up against a team that's, you know, at the bottom of the ladder or, you know, in the bottom four kind of thing. And you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. We're going to get the job done here. Um, is that the right spirit to have? No. But what I'm saying is I do acknowledge that that does exist within athletes. Yeah, it's it's true. I think for, from my point of view, the, the teams that are really experienced and stay at the top of their game for a long time, that they don't give themselves a chance to get complacent. They're always working hard. They're always turning up. Um, I, I think about the Panthers over the last three years. I think about Melbourne over a long period of time. They, they tend to, to turn up for most of their games. They, they only get beaten by better teams on the day. And I think the Raiders, I don't want to take anything away from the Raiders' performance because they definitely turned up with a great attitude. And it was a close game. Uh, but I think the Raiders turned up with a good attitude and the Broncos probably not expecting them to come out as hard as they did maybe factored in to, to them going, oh, oh, no, we've been caught off guard here because we weren't quite ready to go from the start. So, yeah, I think it may have crept in a little bit. And the Broncos haven't experienced a lot of success over the last few years. So they're, they're a young team. Uh, they've, they've gone through some tough times. And, and being able to stay up for a long time would be something new to them. I love that you've highlighted that because also remembering Broncos have had um, – quite poor seasons in, in previous years. So for them to be where they are right now is also uncharted territory for them. It's been a while that they've been at the top. So, yeah, I guess there is something to be said about um, familiarity at this level or having to consistently be the hunted, not the hunters, if that makes any sense. But I guess a, a thought worth exploring is when you go into games in, in, in a sense or with a sense of complacency, do you think it's more conscious or subconscious? Oh, it's, I reckon maybe it's subconscious. Yeah, I agree. You know when you label it? If someone says, let's not be complacent, yeah, all right. If you're saying it, then we've already yeah, thinking, already thinking it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I reckon it's more um, more a subconscious thing that you, you think about as an athlete. Have you had any um, or experienced any games where you went in with, I guess, uh, or, uh, yeah, with some complacency? I've got a season. So 2006, yeah. we won the premiership in, in 05 with the Tigers. In 2006, mm-hmm. we had a, a pretty ordinary year. I feel like we finished 2005. We we're very happy with the achievement. Then we started this. We went into the preseason. Um, mate, look, we, I think we still worked hard. Like we, we always worked hard. But I think that when we started 2006, um, we thought that maybe even if we had a few losses, we'd still be able to come back at some point in the year. We'd turn it on and we'd just play as good as we did the year before. It, it didn't quite happen. And we didn't make the finals the following year. So mm. I'd say that was a complacent season. I think maybe we just thought that we could pull it back at any time and it never really happened. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, definitely. I think there's the most um, striking memory would have to be playing for Sydney Uni just because our team had dominated the competition for so long. You just go in expecting um, to win games. But then last year, it wasn't a game that I was um, part of purely because the Wallaroos were away at the time. But then the girls, I was like, yeah, the girls are going to get it done. Like, they're so fine. And then we took our a loss and it was like we lost the premiership after holding it for three years so that was that was huge that was that was that hurt that really hurt but again like what i'm saying is that complacency does exist and subconsciously that's where it lives in your subconsciousness i I agree with you now if any of you got a question uh, you can send it through to our dms on instagram because sarah's got hers back hers is at sarah (laughs) and i'm at dean hollatow Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Woo! You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around. We'll tackle the tough headlines in the rack. But up next, play on or on report.
This week for Play On or On Report, uh, we're going to talk about banter or sledging and how far is too far. This comes off the back of the Eels versus Tigers Easter Monday clash. Towards the end of the match, the Tigers were trying to get possession back. Asu Kapoa, uh, one of their wingers, he's tried to go for a few one-on-one rakes from Parramatta players, one of them being Clint Gutherson. Uh, and following the match after play had been stopped, uh, the players are shaking hands. Clint Gutherson walks up and tries to hand the ball to Asu Kapoa. Now, when I'm watching this on the broadcast, I thought I heard him say um, that, here, have the ball. You can have it now, like as in a bit of sledging, like you couldn't get it off me during the match. I'll just give it to you now. You can take the ball if you really want it that much. That's kind of the the vibe that I got from it. Blake, uh, Bryce Cartwright, I should say, was standing next to uh, Clint and they had a little bit of a chuckle, but Asu Kapoa didn't take it too too well. He hit the ball down and gave him the cold shoulder and turned away. So that, that I guess, goes to the question, how far is too far with sledging? What's tasteless or what's classless, I guess, from players when they uh, when they do that? And I think that this, the thing here, it's after the match is finished. Like Things happen inside the match so that you kind of sometimes maybe would let go, but after the match is a little bit full on, I thought. Yeah. I mean, you highlighted a really good point there where you said there are things that happen in the match. So if Clint had done something like that while the 80 minutes was being played out, then I think, yeah, okay, it's in the nature of the game. But the minute that you take it out of the 80th minute, when the final whistle is blown, you're trying to make something off field. Yeah. And I think that act alone from Clint was quite tasteless and a little bit unnecessary. So for us to, to, to respond the way that he did, um, it only seems right because it is a little bit humiliating. Like they did, t- they did just take a loss. Um, their sixth loss in a row. Their, si- their sixth loss in a row. So, you know, you really got to ask Clint, like, what was your, what were you intending to achieve from that? Did you think he was going to laugh with you? Like he just <laughs> lost, they, they just lost their sixth game in a row. Like have some common sense about you. And you know what, regardless, these boys, they're grown men, but there are moments that you also do feel quite humiliated by that. So that would be that would have been quite a humiliating moment. So I can empathise with us in that moment. Yeah, and I don't know. They've never been teammates before as far as I know. So I don't know if there's any familiarity between them, if it's like an inside joke. I think it was just Clint trying to be funny to, to an opposition player who just got beaten, which – and I like Clint. I love Clint Gutherson as a player. Like he's a phenomenal player um, and, and he's a skipper and generally like he's – He's pretty switched on. Pretty switched on. He's pretty good. So I think he's just taken an opportunity at, on the spur of the moment, and uh, it's fell flat with uh, obviously with Asu. But um, are there are there any other um, instances that spring to mind for you, Sarah, around sledging going too far? Well, I mean, if we're looking at the world of sports, the Angel Reese um, headline is, is something that's been taking everyone, I guess, not necessarily by shock, but it's causing a lot of debate. And um, for some context, Angel Reese, she plays for the LSU Tigers and she made a you can't see me gesture towards the Hawkside guard, Caitlin Clark. So, okay, John Cena, he's cool, man. And that's all fine and dandy. But this has caused so much uproar on the internet as to whether what Angel did of making that gesture towards a teammate you know, knowing full well that her team was just about to secure the championship, like is that good sportsmanship? Well, she also pointed pointed to her ring finger as well to like signify that she was about to get her championship ring, like you say. But like, but right in the in while the game is still happening, she's done that. So I'm like, yeah, that's play on. Yeah, I think the the thing that happens there, but she goes on with it quite a bit. So like, I, I think Sledging should like just be momentary and then move on. I think she carried that on. I think that's what created a bit of debate or a bit of stir about that incident with Angel is that she was like stalking her opponent and just like getting in her face and doing those, making those gestures. Like She was terrorizing her. Terrorizing. <laughs> she that's was terrorizing yeah. the opponent, which again, that's 
to me, I think like while the game is happening, that's fine. Different if she was trying to have attacks at her on socials or, you know, after the game finished, trying to start some trouble. But it was all within the game. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't necessarily question her intent because I'm like, she's just rubbing it in her face. Like there's many times that you're on the field and the opponent, like if you know that you're up or, you know, the opponent um, that you're up against is is also up. Like there's always going to be an exchange of words, but you can, you can cop it on the chin because it's while the game is happening. So there's a, there's a rule in the NFL, and I think I've mentioned this before, that there's no taunting. If you taunt, you get penalised. So um, they brought this in a couple of seasons ago because uh, they didn't like the look or the poor sportsmanship that look that was created when players taunted other players. So it, it's there's there's penalties given almost every game when a player takes the the sledging or the banter too far, uh, and sometimes it's not even that far at all. But the the referees and the umpires over there are are constantly um, penalising players for taunting or over-celebrating as well when they when they score a touchdown, which we see all the time in, in rugby and in rugby league. Players will score a try and um, push, say, and shove. push and shove a few words to their opponent that may be laying on the ground. Actually, Jordan Rappiner did it on the weekend. He's, I think he scored over the top of uh, Reese Walsh and he's just stood over him and looked down straight at him oh, and gave God. him a few words. And uh, I thought it was quite funny. So there you go. I'm, I'm looking at that and laughing, but um, yeah. Do you think it's also a bit of a mind game? Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's see, you're getting one you want to get in opponent. their head. Yeah, yeah, you get inside their head and get a reaction. You know there's players, there's always players in opposition teams that are emotional when they react emotionally and can cause uh, disruption to their team. So if you can get in their head by, by baiting them a little bit, I guess it's not a bad strategy. Quick story to end on with the Wolverines. They've – last season – yeah, last season, they were asking us to just be a little bit more mean on the field because apparently, like, we're just a bit too kind to the point, you know, sometimes if we got in a penalty, we would just, like, hand over the ball to the opponent. They're like, why are you doing that? Chuck the ball. You know, like, scruffle someone's hair while you're in the ruck or something like that. And I remember having this conversation with my friend Emily Chancellor. She's like, they're asking me to be someone that I'm not. I just can't do that. I'm a good sportsman. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you've got good sportsmanship, man, but, like, not everyone does. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes um, coaches do – ask you to bring that out um, purely because it, 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 I guess it just creates a bit of mongrel in your game. So banter, play on or on report? Banter is play on while the game is still happening. The minute okay. that you take it out of the, the set um, game time, you're on report, mate. What about you? I agree. I'm with you on that. Oh, that's nice. Keep it within the, the time of the game. Great chat, Dino. So to all of our listeners, if there is anything that you'd like us to debate, you can contact us on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah You can find this bloke at Dean Hallitow. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? The first headline this week that we want to uncover is about Fijian Drua. As we know, they've been hosting a number of games in Fiji, but they've just come out this week confirming that they have dropped some of their ticket prices to make it more affordable for their fans. Drua have had um, an incredible trot thus far in the season and they heavily need the 16th player, i.e. the fans. And as a result of this, um, those in management have decided to make this call, which I think is quite fitting because it shows that one, they have a grasp on the Fijian market, but two, because they want people to get there, they're making it more accessible. Yeah, and and they're having results over there, right? They're, they're, they're playing well when they play at home and uh, their CEO, Mark Evans, is... Has, has mentioned about, like you said, that 16th player having the support of their fans is going to help them go to another level and being able to make the 
the game's more accessible to younger people and to have more people at the ground is, is no doubt going to lift the atmosphere. We've, we've seen some footage. The atmosphere is already great. But if they can sell out those stadiums and, um, and get as many people through the gates as possible, then we know it's going to go to another level. And uh, it, it bodes well for Fiji and Drua and uh, Fijian and Drua to have those numbers at their games. Yeah, and the, the, the opponents that they'll be hosting is the Blues and the Hurricanes, one um, this coming week and then the Hurricanes next month. So they're really big sides. So to ensure that you um, get the boys up, you want to make sure that you have some familiar faces in the crowd, which always helps get a solid result. Very good move by the Fijian Drua. So hopefully they are chock chocolate block in terms of the, the numbers there. Over to the NRL and, uh, and PNG, actually. Rugby League, we know that it's uh, the national sport. The PNG Rugby League has actually announced a five-year strategic plan. So they're looking to obviously increase their domestic competition in, in terms of the professionalism. There's a number of things, actually, that, that they mentioned, that there's four pillars that they're working on. One of them is, sorry, club professionalism. Uh, another is coaching and officiating. Competition pathways and competition management round out the four pillars. It's great that they've been able to put the time in. They're coming up with something strategic. They've developed their four pillars. Uh, a real big focus as well on increasing the participation at the lower levels or the pathways levels. Um, a full women's competition as well on the cards, which is uh, no doubt um, going to increase numbers at the lower levels also. Yeah, this is a huge result. We know that PNG um, have provided such promising talent. We're looking at the likes of Justin Olam and um, Elsie Albert, who have come and contributed extremely well to the NRL and NRLW. So for them to have a strategic plan will only ensure that more players come across the ditch because they've shown that they have a lot of talent, like looking at the Hunters as well. Yes, they've been inconsistent, but they have that constant constant exposure. So you're essentially opening the door for more players to come through the system, which is huge for the likes of PNG. Yeah. And, and the, the goal is to have their, their premier competition equal that of the Queensland Cup. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lofty goal, but one that no doubt will put them in good stead in terms of uh, the professionalism that they'll run. And also remembering as well, PNG are trying to enter the NRL. So this will help with their bid. Yeah, it certainly will. It certainly will. Now, sticking with you, NRL and uh, hip drop tackles have been a, a topic of conversation over the past fortnight. There's been a number of suspensions, and one coach in particular, Jason Demetrio from the South Sydney Rabbitohs, uh, he's in support of the, the stance that the NRL's taking on, uh, on trying to eradicate the hip drop tackles, and he had this to say after last week's match. Oh, I think there was a few hip drops, yeah. I think there was at least four of them in the game. Um, if that tackle happens in a training field, I can guarantee you the teammates aren't happy about it. Like, I get there's circumstances where it can be, where it's an accident, you know, where there's a, some swing in the tackle, I understand that, but when you're side by side and you're dropping, you're losing your legs to drop your hips down, it's not a way to take people to ground. It's a lazy way, and, and the game, I think the game's doing a great job trying to do what they can. It's up to the clubs to show some onus on it, because it, it, it's going to affect your team somewhere. You're going to lose a high-quality player to a hip drop, which is a tackle that can be avoided, in my opinion. We don't practice it. There's no way that it happened at training. And that's, I can't stress that point enough. It does not happen at training. Coaches and, and play teammates would not let that happen. So I don't know why we're accepting that that's okay on the field. Well, you heard it there from himself. It's a lazy technique. Yeah, and, he, and he's spot on. Like, it's, it's a way to take a player to ground when you can't get them to ground. And um, he identified that uh, as players side by side holding on and they try and drag them down by dropping on their leg. 
Safe to say the NRL have really led in this space, so much so that the NFL have reached out to seek advice as to how they can also eradicate this from this. So this is a big, this is big, like one of the biggest sporting codes have reached out to the Australian shores to ask for some advice around this because apparently we police it the best. Yeah, well, they, they've had it, they've identified it as an issue, um, the NFL. Um, they, they had a number of players late last year, like significant players, suffer injuries. Uh, so that they, they understand the NFL that, that it's an issue. Uh, I'm not too sure where they're at in terms of um, eradicating it themselves, but um, it's definitely on the radar. And yeah, they have, they have reached out to the NRL to see if, or try to get an understanding of how we judge it and what we do in terms of um, policing it in our game. Now, last but surely not least, NRLW signings have continued, but the thing that has everyone talking is that the Tigers, who are obviously a new team entering the competition, have picked off some of the Parramatta Eels girls. Yes, they've uh, they've got a signings coup, the Tigers. The, the, <laughs> the coup, yes. The Parramatta Eels, uh, their ranks have been raided and it's uh, – a number of players that are coming across from the Eels to the Tigers will be Rakea Horn, uh, Christian Pio, Nevada George, and also Tess Staines and Lasana Lutu. So it's a, a pretty big day. This all happened only within a few, like within the one day, I think. On it was all announced on on Monday, leading into the uh, the the clash between the Tigers and the Eels in the NRL. So um, a bit of a in your face from the Tigers, I guess, in, in making those signings. All I'm thinking is, what is Dean thinking as he sees his yeah. girls just picking, sorry, being picked off one by one? This to me is a little bit worrying just because the, the Eels only entered the competition last year and from an outsider looking in, it looked like a really strong group that wanted to stay together to see how much further they can push it. I mean, admittedly, they did make it to the NRLW final against the Knights where they didn't get the, the result. But what makes a play? I mean, you could probably speak to this better than anyone else, but what makes a player pivot from one club to another? I don't know. Look, we've seen a lot of movement in the NRLW because because the competition is so young and, and there's only a limited number of spots available. T- players have been moving around quite a bit. Um, I guess the reasons to stay probably more front of mind for myself. Like if it's um, a really good environment, you love the club and, the, and the, what the club's about, you've had a bit of success, they're kind of draw cards to wanting to stay. Um, but because, I, I don't know, because the the teams that have won the competition started to move around a bit or the teams that had success, then that kind of that success success element moves as well. And if you want to go elsewhere to try and get that, well then so be it. But also um, we know that the, the salary cap's gone up, the, the money available has gone up. And if you've got a team full of um, stars, maybe you need to go elsewhere to, to get a better share of that, that salary cap. If you know what I'm saying, like the, the money might not be available to stay where you're at. So go elsewhere. It's really hard. I know that the um, the Tigers they won the the state cup last year and they had a bit of success there. So maybe that's a it's a draw card for a number of girls to go across. Um, Brett Kamali's the the head of head of coaching there in the in the women's program as well. He 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 obviously has a good reputation and is someone that the girls want to play for. Yeah, definitely. And I guess this is a huge blow for Parramatta who have already lost also Samaya Matalfa, Ashley um, Quinlan, and also Gail Broughton. So some big names have moved, but I guess when players move, it does avail positions um, for younger girls to come in and show what they got. So I don't think it's the worst thing, but I think it's uh, worth talking about because Parramatta were a force to be reckoned with last season. They'll still they'll be okay, and we'll still get our memberships right. Absolutely, because we love the gals. (laughs) Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Sarah, time to take a look at what's coming up this weekend. What have you got uh, ticked off to, to cover? 
What I'm looking forward to is, well, we're hitting round eight of Super Rugby Pacific. Moana are taking on the Reds, but what's historic about this event is that Moana will play them in a pier in Samoa. So this is the first time that one, a Super Rugby match is being taken over there, but also for Moana Pacifica to host in the islands. A lot of excitement around this game, and uh, it's, it's awesome that... One, we know a few years ago, well, a couple of years ago when uh, this announcement was made, we're going to be adding Pacific teams or Pacifica teams to the competition. We're all excited about that. But then we've seen this year that Fiji and Drua take their home games to home, like actually into Fiji, have some success. And then we're seeing Moana go over to Samoa. I think it's going to be exciting for the locals, but also for the players to be able to experience that. I think it's so cool because someone's ready to do the most for them. Hear this. They're having a welcoming parade. They'll follow a police marching band to the government building, have a flag-raising ceremony where they'll also sing the national anthem. Like, come on, that's so beautiful. They're rolling it out. They're, honestly, they're doing the most, and I'm here for it. So I think that's going to be a stellar match. And Moana, Moana took um, you know, a really close loss last week against the Crusaders, so let's see if they can turn it around on home soil. Can they, can they beat the Reds? Yes, they can. The Reds, are the, Reds, the Reds are having a pretty inconsistent season, but that's a story for another time. What are you looking forward to this season? Well, in, oh, this week, sorry. This week in Rugby League, uh, the Ron Massey Cup it moves into round five and the Silk Tails are taking on the Hills Bulls. Obviously, the Silk Tails, um, the season's not been great. They're looking to bounce back after a loss last week against the Mounties. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Wes can get the boys up. Yeah, that Wes Nengama bloke. Got to ask what's doing over there. <laughs> Q Cup moves into round five also. Uh, last week was a, a week off due to Easter. The Hunters are taking on the Northern Pride up in Cairns at Barlow Park. So uh, the Hunters have had a, a reasonable start to the season. They're mid-table, but they've had some narrow losses, a draw and, and a win. So that, they'll be... Um, I think they'll, they'll go good up there against the Northern Pride, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how that game unfolds. They've got three debutants named as well, so I'm um, looking forward to, to getting a report back next week on that result. Round seven of the NRL, the big matches that I'm looking forward to, uh, Manly versus Storm on Friday night, the Battle of Brookvale, part 17 or something like that. I don't part know. Part 17. But it's, uh, yeah, it's at Brookvale on Friday night, and uh, this is always a, a really uh, physical encounter. You, you enjoy watching the Storm go up against the Seagulls? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. It'll be, it'll be awesome. And the other one, Sunday, the Eels take on the Bulldogs. These two teams have, have had some really big clashes. Over. There's, they've got like a long history against each other. Through the 80s, the Bulldogs and the Eels were the two most dominant sides, and um, they always have... Huge matches. Uh, I think back to 2009 qualifying final before the grand final, the uh, the Eels managed to beat the Bulldogs in a really tight contest. The big news for the for the Bulldogs though was that Viliami Kikau, he was due to come back from uh, sitting out a week due to concussion. Unfortunately, he's torn his pec muscle, which will require surgery. Um, it's a huge blow for the Bulldogs, and obviously very disappointed for Viliami. Does that mean he will miss out on the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, he's got to get surgery. And typically they're saying it's around two months of recovery. So he will be back before the end of the year, um, fortunately for the Bulldogs. But um, hopefully when he does get back, he gets a, a clean run because he's a big asset and they haven't really got an opportunity to see a whole lot of him yet. In the glimpses that he's had, he's, he's looked very dangerous. And uh, the Bulldogs are on the up and I think he's going to um, add a lot to them at their back end of the year. Well, we wish him a speedy recovery. Don't forget you can catch Andrew Moore on the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget you can catch all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. Well there. Talk here. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia.
This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.